Church, we celebrate your presence here today with us. Enjoy the worship service as you sit back and listen to the singing as it gives inspiration to your soul and then the preaching of the word of God as it gives instruction to your soul. Be blessed as God has a word for you today. rejoice and be glad within it before we start our sermon today this is the third Sunday and so we want to invite you 
to participate in our children's moment. So if you would get all the children around the virtual space that they might hear this brief word I want to share, I would greatly appreciate that. We're going to share in our virtual moment to our children about something that they can do for the rest of the year. Starts today, but they can do it every week for the rest of the year. Here's what it is. In Proverbs 4 and 10, the writer tells his son to listen to his instructions so that his days may be many. And I want to encourage all of my young people, all of my children, to remember that if you take your children's Bible, if you are a teenager, take your teen Bible, and if you would simply read the book of Proverbs, starting in chapter 1 and concluding in chapter 31, and then read the book of the Psalms, starting in Psalm number one, and then concluding in Psalm number 50. You will amass a tremendous amount of wisdom that is practical and understandable. Now, there'll be some things that you won't understand. Please ask your parents, and if your parents don't know, please feel free to ask me as your pastor. But I want you to get into the habit of reading the wisdom from the Bible as it adds to your life so that your days can be long when you walk according to the word of God. Remember Proverbs 4 and 10. And then remember, start reading Proverbs, whether it's one or two Proverbs every day, but just start in Proverbs chapter 1 and read until you finish all 31 chapters. That may take you a while, but the main thing is to read them all. And then when you finish that, go read the Psalms. Watch the great blessings that you will get in your life because of reading of the word. This is Pastor Murphy saying, have a blessed, wonderful, youthful journey as you begin this new year, 2021. Amen. Glory, glory.
Well, Zion, if you would, get your Bibles and join me in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to go back and revisit that text of Nehemiah chapter 8. And today, we're only going to read verses um, 8 through 10. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 8 through 10. Here we are in the reading of God's word, Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning at verse 8. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Again, we're going back to the subject we began on last Sunday entitled The Process of Recovery, The Process of Recovery, Part 2. The Process of Recovery, Part 2. If you read and reread and keep rereading the content of Nehemiah chapter 8, you will be made aware that something triggered a reset in the mentality of the return exiles to Jerusalem. That triggered reset launched their conscience outcome for the need to have a spiritual renewal, to make a spiritual reconnection, and to engage in a spiritual recommitment. Do not overlook the fact that there being eyewitnesses as well as participants in the walled rebuilding process and the city revitalization in a warp speed of 52 days ignited a reset in their minds also. They were reset in the mind, not just because of something heard, but because of their own experience in rebuilding the wall and also revitalizing the city. Secondly, don't overlook the fact that the people themselves called for Ezra to bring out the book of the law or the word of God which he gave to Moses. That says to me, and it elevates what we pointed to on last week, their eagerness to learn and their hunger to learn, all in reference to the word of God. It appears to me that they were not looking for some profound saying. They were not looking for some philosophical nuance, nor were they looking for some influential articulation. No, they just wanted to hear the word. Perhaps they wanted to hear a rereading. A rereading of an old text, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 12, where Moses declared that an adherence, obedience to the word of God, will lead you to enjoying a long life. It will cause you to experience things that will go well in your life. It will help you increase greatly. The admonition that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, that you impress the word of God upon your children, that you talk about the word with your family and friends, and that you put it on the doorframe of your house. In other words, the rereading of Deuteronomy underscored that obedience would grant you good things in your life. Says Moses, flourishing houses 
It will give you plenty, make plenty for you. But he closed his statement by saying that whatever you do, don't forget who brought you out from Egypt. Don't forget the person who made a way for you. Don't forget the provision, the provider, the protector. Keep God at the forefront. That's what they needed to hear again from the reading of the word. Or perhaps they wanted to hear the rereading of Psalm 19, verse 7 through 11, where the psalmist identifies the word of God that revives your soul, that the precepts of the word can give your heart great joy, or that the word brings light to your eyes, or that the word is sweeter than honeycombs. And again, the psalmist closed by saying, obedience will bring great rewards to your life. That bearing of the word reoriented their thinking. Their thinking. I want to underscore that phrase, their thinking. Chapter 8, verse 3 says, all the people were attentive to the book. I raise the question to you, what grasped your thinking? The Bible suggested that they were eager, they were hungry, they were attentive, they were ready, and they were learners. The scripture was read and became a motivation that got them going out to do something about what they had encountered in the reading. The word of God, as they heard it, provided for them what I call a mountaintop motivation. It is in the process of recovery that involves the permitting you and I in that recovering mode, there's the challenge to us to permit our heart, our minds, our entire beings to permit the word of God to lift us to another level of thinking. I want you to hear the words of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. It's a familiar passage to those who read the scripture. You probably heard it many times, but listen to the nuance that the text suggests to us in reference to this mountain top motivation. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and here it is, they shall mount up with wings like eagle. That's a mountaintop escalation. Now, eagles definitely use the wind. They use the winds, I should say, and quite strong ones, as well as the updrafts and the downdrafts, but particularly the updrafts that come off of hills and mountains to help them gain altitude and to set them up for a long soaring flight to another location, especially when they are migrating from a great distance, whether it be north or south. I want you to plug into that analogy and recognize that you and I coming out of 2020, now in the morning of 2021 and in the midst still of this pandemic must use the updraft of the air that came out of 2020 to push us in recovery for the long haul. The updraft is a mixture of both warm and cool air that meets to create that up and even down draft. But what I'm really trying to tell you is use your adversity, use your challenge, Use your difficulty. Use those moments to your advantage for your recovery. Use adversity to push you, to strengthen you for the long haul. Don't let them put you in a space of the temporal, but instead permit it to push you to understand this experience will be a learning curve for me as I pursue to recover what I believe I've lost in 2020 or to make sure that as I'm moving through 2021, I'm going to gain 
the best that is yet to come for me because I'm not going to let that experience deteriorate or detract from me. But that's not the end of what Isaiah says in verse 31. He says, and it comes down a little, not only do they mount up with wings like eagles, but they run and not be weary. It doesn't end there. It comes down even further. He says, even they walk and not faint. The digression for coming out of the mountaintop motivation still needs some inspiration to keep you going. That shifting of mountaintop mentality back down to the ordinary life where exiled experiences occur and where the pandemic experiences occur, it's possible because the motivate or the mountaintop provides what I want to suggest is inspirational rejuvenation on a regular basis. We need that. We can't stay on the mountain all the time, but when you are there, accumulate. Because when you come down, you're going to need that in your reserve to persevere. Remember, the fire of enthusiasm and motivation won't last forever unless you throw some fresh logs on it. Because your motivation, your fresh mindset sometime can sag and it can leave you drained of inspiration to recover unless you have a definite plan for renewal, for reconnection, and for recommitment. Here's the text. An exile, a pandemic, a sickness, a cut in our resources can either ignite the fight within us or expose the fear within you. You must grasp the understanding that you must fight for your recovery, you must fight for your harvest, and you do that through a focused faith. Remember, you have an enemy, and that enemy is Satan, and Satan wants to steal and destroy everything that God has in store for you. Don't forget the words of Jesus in John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Don't let Satan steal it, nor permit your enemies to intimidate you with fear, or with discouragement, or their weapons of personal destruction. For if you plant your faith in the word of God, we can hear clearly from Isaiah 54, 17, that no matter the weapon of the enemy, it won't prosper. Instead, the text seems to call us both Isaiah 54, and now even in Nehemiah chapter 8, it calls us to use our own weapons, our words. If life and death is in the power of our tongue, we need to use our words to bring about victory. The word of God, if the right of Hebrews is correct, when he says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword in Hebrews 4, then we, use, we need to use it to help bring about the victory and the faith, Romans 10, 17, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then we need to mount up on our faith, mount up on our words, and mount up on the words of God that will help us go after what we are attempting to recover. Satan fears a fighter. Remember what Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 15 and 16 said when the enemy came to try to distract and even standing there in their mere observation of what had been accomplished in the rebuilding of the wall says the text when the enemy saw 
that Nehemiah and the people, what did they do? They fought back with the word. The Bible says the enemy lost confidence. Now I want you to know that the enemy recognizes when you are a fighter, and what they did was basically tell Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gershom, who were their enemies, this is not the day to try to attack us because we are not in the mood. We already know that we have been victorious and nothing you can say or do can bring about distraction unto us. You've got to get to that place in your process of, discover, of recovery where nothing will distract you from the objective you're trying to achieve. Their weapons didn't prosper. And let me inform you that every harvest, every recovery in this life, no matter what it is you're trying to do, is going to require a battle. You're going to have to fight for it. That's why Psalm 144 verse 1 says, Bless be the Lord my strength, which teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Yep, that's what it means, that you are meant to be a fighter. Some people are meant to be mental fighters and physical fighters and economical fighters and social fighters and political fighters and medical fighters and legal fighters, but they are all fighters. They recognize that just the mere speaking of something is not really going to take place. It won't bring about the conclusion, but you've got to get in and get your hands dirty. You've got to sling a few shots to bring about victory. And I want to contend that what happens to the people of Israel when they hear the reading of the word does that in them, it brings up a fighting spirit, but there were some elements that made contribution to that fighting spirit. Something happened when they heard the reading of that word, when they called Ezra out and told him, read us the book and that something enabled them to react to the influence of the word. Three things, then I'm done. Watch this. The Bible says that when they heard the reading of the word, verse 6, they worshipped. They worshipped. Listen to what the word of God says in Nehemiah 8 and 6. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The presence of God to them was real. The presence of God was beautiful. The presence of God was powerful. That came all from merely just reading the word. And what I get in this text is that maybe Ezra is on to something. Because this order that Ezra tells us, reading of the word first, and this kind of response just makes me wonder, do we have worship backwards? Here's what I mean. They heard the reading first, and then they worship. We worship first as a buildup to the preaching of the word. But it seems to me just in merely listening to the reading of the word, the word made them worship. They heard the reality of Psalm 24, 7. Lift up ye heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? Listen to what the text says. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Who is the king of glory when we come to worship? Who is trying to come in? Who is that king? That king is the Lord who delivers from the exile, 
The Lord who keeps us in the pandemic, the Lord who protects us in the pandemic, the Lord who provides for us in the pandemic, the Lord who makes a way for us, the Lord who opens doors for us, the Lord who delivers us during and will be so even after the pandemic. And that explains why the psalmist, what he says in verse seven, he says again in verse nine, why? Because the king of glory needs to come in in order for us to experience genuine worship. I like the way the New Living Translation translate this verse in which it says, open up your gates, open up your doors, and the king of glory will come in. Make yourself vulnerable to nothing more than the mere reading of the word that gets me excited, that gets us excited. The recovery of the word helped them and it inspired them to worship. Now here's the question, what do we need to worship? Do we really have to have an accumulation of the choir singing a lot of songs and, and do we really have to have the sermon before what I'm catching in this text is that Nehemiah and Ezra saying to us, there ought to be a joy in your heart when you merely listen to the reading of the word. It should prompt you to go into a mode of worship and celebration because you think about the favor and the faithfulness of God in the reading of the word that ignites my soul. That's what it said they did. When they heard the reading, they bowed down on their face. They cried out amen and they lifted up their hands because the word moved them to worship. There's a second thing that happened. Not only did they respond to the word by way of worship, but look at what the text says in verse 9. They also wept. They not only worshiped from the reading of the word, but they wept because of the reading of the word. Listen to verse 9. Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, the Lord, the day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. But look at the text says, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law, the words of God. When they encountered the word being both read and then preached and explained, they couldn't help but weep. When you encounter the word and the word encountering enables you to be able to understand what it says and what it means and what it even means to you right now you should never apologize for the emotional response that the word brings out of you. That's the glory, that's the joy, that's the preeminence of the African-American worship experience. When we hear the word, we engage in call and response. That word goes out and we can't help but to respond, amen, hallelujah, preach, pastor, because the word causes us, when we think about how things are being done, as the word permeates our life, we weep. When you hear, read the word and realize how some things didn't find your address, didn't stop by and create chaos in your life. Some things didn't come upon your body and cause sickness or disease. Some experiences didn't cause you unemployment. But when you hear the word read, it should cause you to weep because you should shout for joy because once again, you come to realize how blessed not only you have been, but how blessed you are now. It should make you Weep. 
It should get you to a place where you're motivated by the words of that hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, and see what God has done. Do you see that progression? Count your blessings. I dare you to start doing that. Just start counting the blessings all around you. And then it says, name your blessings. Be more specific and identifiable as to the way God has blessed. Look at the various blessings that occupy your life. And then it says, count your many blessings. So the blessing may not just be limited to my own household or where I am, but people all around me, my family, my friends. And then it says, when you count them, see what God has done. That's why the text causes us to weep because we think about how blessed we are when we listen to the word of God. It'll make you weep to see how God has blessed you. And there are some times when I read the word, I get angry. I get frustrated because I don't see the manifestation. There are other times when I have to rejoice and weep because I've seen that text come to life in my own life. When they heard the reading of the word, they worshiped. When they heard the reading of the word, they wept. Then it's a final thing. When they heard the reading of the word, they went. Look at what the text says in verse 10. The text says that then he said to them, go eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Don't be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> Listen to what the writer says. Be reminded of what this day really means. And when I read that, it reminds me so much of why I miss our gatherings on Sunday. The verse reminds me of when we get together after church for meals, the fellowship, the laughter, the helping and the serving of others, the preparing of the plates by the hospitality and those who are assisting for people to take home. In those moments, you can almost hear the words of the Lord through the lips of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5:18 when he says in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus they went and they served because Ezra told them to get moving and not just weep once you recognize how blessed you are Remember, you're given those blessings for a purpose. Not only to richly enjoy, but then to find somebody else who may very well or to permit someone else to come across your path who very well may need the overflow of how you have been blessed. Listen to what Ezra says. Go serve those who are hungry, who don't have anything prepared for them. Go feed them, go encourage them, go love them. Why? Because God is your strength. Somehow I can hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 25 spilling over into this text and spilling over into us. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you put clothes on my back. And when I was incarcerated, you took the time to come to see me. In a pandemic, you kept in touch with me. In a pandemic, you still reached out to me. Why? Because we are instructed after listening to the word to go 
to make disciples, to introduce people to the mercy and the love and the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But then to illuminate and to demonstrate before them the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, particularly in the midst of a pandemic. When there are all kinds of restrictions around us prohibiting us from doing what we typically would do, yet we still find a way in this virtual opportunity to bless the people of God. Two statements I want to close with and then I'm done. The late Smith Wigglesworth, the Pentecostal preacher, had this to say in reference to what he challenged Christians to understand regarding the word. He says, there are four principles we need to maintain. Number one, read the word. Read it. Get the word on the inside of you because that's what's going to be your rescuing inspiration. That's what's going to be your motivating inspiration. That's what's going to keep you in the winds of adversities when the storm arrives. It's the word of God that's going to direct your path. Read the word, he says. Secondly, he says, not only read the word, but consume the word until the word consumes you. Keep on reading it and keep on diving into both the depths and the nuance of the word. Permit it to speak to you and asking the question, Lord, what does this say to me? And you keep doing that, consuming it until it consumes you. Third, he said, believe the word. Because you can read it, and I would even contend you can consume it, and it very well may consume you, but believing it, believing it is another step, it's another dimension. Because I've got to get past the mental comprehension and then get into my heart and my spirit where the Holy Spirit inspires me to believe what I've read. And then finally he says, act on the word. If I'm going to put it out there, I might as well act on it. I might as well permit what God says that he will do in the word to do what it will do. Trust it. Believe it, but act on it. And then here's my final saying. Keep this in your mind. The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. That comes from the great Charles Haddon Spurgeon. You don't have to defend the word. Let the word loose and the word can take care of itself. The process of recovery involves worship, some weeping, but some willingness to go. And then to permit the word to permeate our life so that the glory of God can be seen in every dimension of us. Our Father, we thank you for the chance to which we share in your word this morning and pray now that as Nehemiah chapter 8 in this process of recovery speak a word to us of hope and strength and that we will in return renew our strength and mount up on that mountaintop experience of inspiration that we can run and not be weary and that we'll walk and not faint. I pray today that someone who has never met Jesus Christ as Savior, this is the day in which their life will change and never be the same. But they will become a new creation in Jesus Christ. And the joy of the Lord, in the words of Nehemiah, will become their strength. We celebrate those who are followers of you, God, and who may be in the midst with us in this pandemic, struggling 
finding it difficult to keep their hope and their inspiration high, may this word spark, ignite a push in them that they will go back to reading the word and allowing you to inspire them. Do these things for us, Lord. We'll forever give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As I say every week, that's our prayer, that's our hope, that the word of God has blessed you, that your life will begin to change, be transformed, and it will never be the same because the word does that when you permit it to consume you. I trust that if you are listening to us and you are not a member of Greater Little Zion Baptist Church, that you would consider becoming a part of this fellowship that we might be your church family and we might enjoy this journey as a community of believers together. If that be the case and you don't need to contact us, we would love to converse with you and make sure that you are on your road to experiencing the joy of being in the family of God. We also celebrate those of you who are so kind and generous in making sure that each and every week as well as each and every month you support this ministry, I want to encourage you to continue to do so and thank you so much for your generosity. For without that, this moment would be very difficult, if not impossible, for us to be able to do. And those of you who are not members, if you are being blessed by this word, would you consider making a contribution to the Great Little Zion Baptist Church? We need your support. This enables us to continue to do in this virtual space what we can do now that we're in this pandemic, we're not allowed to meet together, but we would appreciate your contribution. The Bible inspires us to remember that those who bless us and strengthen us and encourage us in the word is worthy of our contribution. And so if we have been blessing you, please consider sending us a contribution that would help us to continue in ministry. I pray that this word has been a blessing to you and as we move forward, great things are going to happen in 20. 21, anticipate, expect, believe, and visualize, and watch God do some mighty, mighty, wonderful things. Not only this is the day that the Lord has made, but God loves you, and so do I. I want you to have a blessed, wonderful Sunday, as well as a blessed, wonderful week in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. invited you to join around the table in this virtual experience as we are here to break bread together in the Lord's Supper. We invite you to get your elements and let's prepare to go before the Lord in this special moment that we call communion in which we share in the breaking of bread.
Jesus gathered his disciples together around that table and the Bible says that he took bread, he looked under heaven and gave thanks for it and then he gave it to his disciples. I invite you as they did eat together, let us eat together at this table. Likewise, the word of the Lord said he took the cup he looked unto heaven and gave thanks for it, and then he gave it to his disciples. As Jesus invited his disciples to drink together, let us drink together as we share in this communion moment. When they finished, they sung a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. Let's leave this virtual moment today celebrating that we've had a chance not only to listen to the preached word, but to share in the communion table where we come together as one in the person of Jesus Christ. They went out into the Mount of Olives and began to sing. Let's sing in your heart as we leave this special moment. God bless you. Have a wonderful, blessed week in the Lord. Amen. Yeah.